I find that there's like a very, very specific satisfaction that comes from serving people like a meal. And I don't mean serving as in like you have to serve the meal, but your whole family can help you. serve. when you sit down to a meal that you prepared or that you put thought into, there's a certain satisfaction of everyone sitting around that table and enjoying it. Hi, I'm Alex Fletcher. And I'm Rivki Silver. And this is Deep Meaningful Conversations, powered by Meaningful Minute. The podcast where we explore the complexities, nuances, and joys of being a from woman. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of DMC. We are so happy that you've decided to listen today to our podcast. Rifki, I haven't told you this yet, but somebody bumped into me at a Kiddush last Shabbos and mentioned how she was enjoying our podcast. And in these situations, I have these reactions where I'll be thinking like, wow, you listened to the podcast? <laughs> and I'm, I'm sort of like surprised. Like I have this imaginary audience in my mind, but then I forget that they're actually these really real people who are all different and all different walks of life and ages and diverse women who are actually listening. Yeah, there's something really special about in-person feedback. Yeah. I also had someone come up to me at a Chalavoid um, event and also say like she loves our podcast. Like it's one of the only ones she listens to. And I was like, thank you. It yeah. makes me feel so good. Yeah. Um, and when we can put a face to a name, we can actually think of those actual people listening to our episodes. So that's extra nice. So if you've told me in person that you listen to the podcast, I'm thinking of you right now. I'm just, just going to a moment thinking of you. Same, same. <laughs> okay, Ripki. So tell, <laughs> let's tell everyone what we are talking about today on this episode. Well, it is that time of year where the Yemen Tovim are a thing of the past. And we're hopefully, you know, well into or at least like marginally into our weekly dinner and Shabbos cooking routines. Um, depending on how long it takes you to get back into routine, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I can always use some cooking inspiration. Cooking routines naturally become boring day in and day out when it's like, you know, oh, you want dinner again, you know? <laughs> um, but since there will always be people, hungry people to feed, ourselves included, mm-hmm. it's great to, you know, switch things up a bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first got the Between Carpels cookbook. I know you're a big fan a of A huge fan of Dinner Done. Huge fan. Dinner Done. Yeah, it was about two years ago. And I was so excited because the recipes are just so easy and doable. Mm-hmm. So I sat there with my post-it notes and I just put post-it notes on all of my favorite recipes, and I, I truly felt this sense of like renewal and uh-huh. excitement about cooking for dinner. Like I never uh-huh. thought I would ever feel that way because I so don't. Um, but you know, it obviously goes without saying that like my family so appreciated this newfound enthusiasm, and every night at dinner they were very excited. <laughs> like, oh wow, so what's nice. this? This is so good. <laughs> Not that like my cooking is bad, but it was new and fresh. You know, 100%. it was something different that I was adding to my repertoire. Um, you know, cause like the recipes you just keep making get old and you know, you need to find new ones and you need to get it, whether it's in a cookbook or online and just like, we need new recipes from time to time. Absolutely. Although it's funny cause like now I'm at a, I'm at a stage where like my kids want the same things and like they, oh, they nice. have like consistent things. So it's, it's funny because like I, I myself want to switch it up, but right. I'm like, but they're not going to eat it. I got to right. make something they're going to eat. That's right. Um, and cooking and meal prep really are a big part of our lives is from women and for everyone's sanity, it's helpful when we feel like we've got a system that works, you know, um, just reduces the stress. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it. Are you a systems person when it comes to cooking, Alex? Oh, a systems person. So I am not a typical systems person. Um, when it comes to weekday, excuse me, weeknight meals, I I don't plan a weekly menu. Um, I do. I actually have looked at my calendar from previous years, and I've noticed that there were many months in previous years that I actually had week a meal plan like written in my calendar. I'm like, Oh, that was so organized of me. Um, but I find ironically that like when I'm more busy, I don't do it oh, when I'm more busy. I should be doing it. Cause then it will be helpful for me, but it's like, the, it just goes by the wayside when I'm more busy and then I'm just more off the cuff. Um, and what that means for me is like the day before I'll try to figure out what the next day's dinner will be in my mind. Um, I do not have special shopping lists that include my weekday menu. I'll just like for the week buy basics, and I do my shopping before Shabbos, you know, like oh, whenever, Wednesday, Thursday, it just depends. Thursday, maybe sometimes Friday. <laughs> so whenever I do that Arab Shabbos shop, I'll just buy the basics for the week. And then I just see what's in my pantry, fridge or freezer. Um, I definitely don't spend much time or energy on meal planning and meal prep. But I, I think so much of how we operate is often based on our upbringing, whether sure. we want it to be or not, like <laughs> subconsciously. Right, whether we're going to be like, I'm going to be like my mom or I'm going to be the opposite. Exactly. <laughs> so 
um, I do things very differently to my mom now, but um, I did grow up in a house where like my mother did not cook. My father was the one who would Uh-oh. be more responsible for, for night meals. Um, so the fact that I do what I do in my own way, I think really impresses and amazes her is very sweet. <laughs> When it comes to Shabbos, though, I'm, I am more planned out, especially when we have guests. Um, when it's just us, it's, it's more chilled and just, you know, we have whatever we like, you know, yeah. simple. Yeah. Anyway, what about you, Rifkir? Are you a systems person, you know, when it comes to cooking? I mean, yes and no. I think I, I have gone through phases. Like you were saying, like what, that you looked back through your old planners yeah. and like you saw that you were in like it. So like now I'm currently in more of a meal plan mm-hmm. phase. It's funny how it cycles through. Right. And I just want to say like when you were saying like you don't have like a system or whatever, but like, you're thinking about dinner the night before. Like I feel like that's organized oh. and that's a system. Okay. So I want to validate you. that. Thank you. The, um, I was thinking back to many, many years ago when I had this blog that I was working on a lot and um, – like there was a thing where people were posting their meal plans. It was like a blogging thing that was mm. happening. And I was like, well, it's a blogging thing that's happening. I should probably do it too. Mm. Even though I had literally no idea what I was doing. So people <laughs> would do like these monthly meal plans. And I was like, well, I feel like I'm a blogger. So I have like a responsibility to like provide content. And so I would make these monthly meal plans that I had no idea what I was doing. My kids were like toddlers. They didn't mm. even, it was like, they didn't appreciate it. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And I want to apologize to anyone who tried to follow any of my monthly meal plans like 10 years ago. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> I'm were just, you like health conscious also when you're meal planning? Eh, like not so much, not mm. really. Um, but I just was like laughing at myself. Like I was like, that was really, um, impractical, mm. but, um, I do like to kind of have an idea sometimes over the overarching week. Sometimes it'll just be like, you know, it'll be meat these nights and dairy these nights. Right. And maybe I'll do a fish, you know. Right. That's that's smart. Right. And a, a lot of times, like, I will look what produce do I have in my fridge. And that's how I'll decide, like, what the side will be or whatever, you know. Um, if I'm low on potatoes, then it's rice. <laughs> like, whatever. Um, and like you with Shabbos, very, very similar. Like, I, I like to have a plan. Um, when we have guests, I like to make something a little bit extra or whatever, a little bit more. Um, but when it's just my family, I make the the classic standard foods that we all like. Uh, over over sukkahs, I did make like an additional soup because um, I was tired of chicken soup with right. matzah balls well, and that was so and much. Like oh my. all, my, but, but that, my kids are not going to touch like I a know, squash no. soup. They're going to like side eye it. Like, what are you trying to do to us? So <laughs> I had to make two soups, but it was fine. It was right. worth it because they ate. Right. I don't know. I think though, like there's some families who are like Tuesday is taco Tuesdays and Monday is meatball Monday. You know, like it's yeah. so cute. Like if that works for you, go right. for it. Cause then you have like, it's all in your mind for, for me. It's just, I'm more like, I can't be like, I don't so, know. I can't be like tied down to something like that. Like maybe I don't feel like tacos on this Tuesday night right, or whatever right, it is, right, you know. Right. But I think it's cool though. I, I think it's like a great like if people follow right. that. It's if it so works, it depends for you. on your personality. Yeah. It, it depends on like your personality and the personality of your children. Right. You know, Lots like if we're gonna make tacos, we are gonna make them on a Tuesday. Oh, you are, but I don't. Here. But not every Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we make twice baked potato Tuesday. It doesn't oh, have the same cute. ring, but it's still alliteration. I so. love that. <laughs> See what happens when you're a writer and a cooker. <laughs> a cooker. A cooker. That is going to come up it's a bit later up. in the episode. Come up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So before we introduce our guests, one more question, Rivki. Yeah. Um, what do you love about cooking and what do you hate about it? Uh, it's such a good question. Like it encompasses so much. <laughs> um, so I, I love, I love how creative the cooking process is. Yeah. I love taking disparate ingredients and bringing them together to create something nourishing and that smells delicious and tastes delicious. And um, this also comes up in the interview. Like there's just a certain feeling I get when I make, when I make something, when I make something from scratch, like, you know, there's something that just feels really like, ah, this feels good. But then the flip side is the thing that I don't like is when I make a beautiful, amazing, excellent meal that is so nice and full of nutrients. And then my kids are like, eh, Mm. I want cereal. Mm. (laughs) Like, so, and then I, then it's like, A, you know, there's that, whatever, I don't take it personally. I'm not like, you know, it's my kids. It's yeah. fine. But there is that little twinge of like, oh, okay, I was really hoping that you would like this. Um, and then B, I have leftovers then, mm. you know, then I have too much food and I have to decide like, am I going to freeze this? Is this going to be something that I'm going to want to pull out of my freezer? Is this lunch the next day? Right. But if it's flesh then it can't be lunch because I'm going to be making milk eggs for dinner the oh, next day. Right. It's like a whole 
And it also thing. turns into like a parenting Shiloh, like, oh, but do I let them have cereal oh. if they don't like the dinner? Not, not a Shiloh for me. Not a I always let them have cereal. Just give them calories. It's fine. It's fine. Like, uh, <laughs> that's not a fight so. that I do. I do other fights. Yeah, yeah. The, um, what about you, Alex? What are your loves and hates? Okay. Um, well, you said it very beautifully in terms of like this combining all the disparate ingredients and making something. I, I do enjoy when I am like single-mindedly focused on the food prep, mm-hmm. you know? And that means I literally have to put my phone away Away. (laughs) like it cannot be on the counter I mean there are many times where it's on the counter because I'm working and I'm juggling and I'm chopping and I'm putting the knife down and responding to the text but like I do enjoy it like when I'm actually like involved in the sensory experience of food prep um I, I enjoy seasoning. I enjoy chopping up colorful vegetables. My mother, I remember my mother used to tell me she had a ratatouille rec- recipe. Um, and she's like, oh, like the worst part of the recipe is the chopping up the vegetables. And in my mind, I had this negative association that like pachka uh-huh. recipes are chopping up vegetables. Uh-huh. Don't make me decorate a cake. Like I hate that, but I really enjoy chopping vegetables. Like that's so not pachka nice. to me. I find it satisfying. It's soothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I hate is, like I said before, I hate any kind of decorating, any kind of physical layout where I need to arrange something a certain way. I'm I'm a creative person, but not – I'm more, like, mentally mm-hmm. creative, but mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. not practically, physically creative or crafty. So I, I, I cannot make things look pretty in terms of, like, decorating any kind of cake or anything like that. Um, and I really hate – botching up recipes like so much so that I have cried like literally cried tears when (laughs) I've overbaked something I'm like I put so much effort into this has to go in the garbage like I I can't I just can't it is hard it is hard (laughs) it does hurt it hurts (laughs) oh um, so today, today we have an amazing guest who is going to share her love of cooking with us so that we can love it more or love it even more, mm-hmm. depending on, you know, where you're holding. <laughs> Esty Wolby, or Cooking with Tantrums, if you know her that way on Instagram, is a recipe developer, host of kosher.com's Easy Does It, and professional one-handed cooker. Mm-hmm. Esty has those real mom vibes that I just love. Like, she's just like, yeah, she's like, I'm just like you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's very relatable. I love that. Exactly. So she seems to know a little bit better than we do what she's doing. <laughs> this is true, but she doesn't like make you feel that way. That's you right. know, uh, her cooking style is accessible and delicious and just really altogether inspiring. Yeah, cooking with tantrums. Oh, I referenced this before. I'm really wondering if, if she's talking about her kids or her children, <laughs> or herself. As I told you, I have cried over that ruin cake. But anyway, I reached out to Essie um, to invite her to be a guest on our podcast. Really not sure exactly what direction we wanted to take with this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, something, you know, about from woman and cooking, because, yeah, it's obviously a big part of our lives. Um, and then I suggested this angle that, you know, many women struggle with enjoying cooking. And, and the grinds of the meal prep, mm-hmm. which is obviously so expected and part of our life. Um, by the way, yes, I, I know we make this a disclaimer often, but it's very, very important. In my home, my husband does not cook at all, so I'm just immediately going to that. Yeah, like, mine does but not it's, either. Yeah, it's not a woman's job to cook. It's not mentioned anywhere that the woman has to make dinner every single night. And many families, yes. It could be a collaborative effort. Like, yeah, you, whatever yeah, yeah. works in your home, yeah, I just, that's fine. Like, yeah, it's know? just important to say that because I, I know I was just at a friend's house for Shabbos and I was like, conference here and she's like, oh yeah, my husband made this and my husband made that. And I'm like, when? Like, because he's an <laughs> extraordinarily busy doctor. Oh, he likes to get up at four o'clock in the morning on Friday morning and make whatever this kugel. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, that's very nice. <laughs> I love you if you guys are listening. Okay, anyway, um, so when I suggested this angle, she Im- immediately loved it. She felt it's very in line with her cooking style and mm-hmm. her approach. So I knew we had a winner, both both in the topic and, of course, in Esty. Absolutely. So by the end of today's episode, we hope you gain some newfound inspiration and joy in the kitchen. Happy listening and happy cooking. Esty, welcome to DMC. We are super stoked to have you on the podcast today. Um, thank you so much for having me. Sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just like so excited to be on. So thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. I, the interruption's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive in back to like the beginning, like the beginning of Esty. Um, what was your kitchen like growing up? Were you like the kind of kid and teenager who was in the kitchen experimenting and helping out or like, were you not like how, how was the relationship that you had to cooking as a kid, whether you're in the kitchen or not, like affect the way that you evolved as a... 
recipe so, developer, cooker. chef, cook, cooker. all these names. You can tell us which is the right one. Cooker. No, cooker. cooker. That's exactly what I am. It's perfect. I'm a rice cooker. Uh. <laughs> um, um, so my mom cooked a lot, like a lot, a lot. Um, and there was always some homemade food. My mom actually had like a interesting work schedule. She started at like 10 o'clock in the morning and then worked till I think like 8 PM. So it was like a little bit shifted. Um, so she was never really around for dinner time, but there was always fresh food in the house. I always joke that like, I've never seen the original meal. We've always eaten leftovers, but the leftovers were made fresh that morning. Mm. They're not leftovers. <laughs> But they are in the sense that, like, you need to heat them up to eat them mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. But, like, always, like, homemade, Heimish food, real, like, meat and potatoes kind of food. Um, and my mom just was always cooking. Like, I, we never had, like, hot dogs. And I kind of, like, mm. always wanted hot dogs. So what, what's her, like, she's <laughs> Ashkenazi. Like, what is her Isn't background? Yeah. How it is. If you don't have it, that's what you want. Yeah, that's Whatever true, it is. Too. Like, the shop hundred percent. Yeah, right? Um, my family's Ashkenaz. I was actually born in Ukraine. So my oh. family comes from Ukraine, including myself. I was imported. So very like, very like high mish food. Like that's what I grew up on. So a lot of the recipes I share today are like that high mish food that came back to us. And let's say like my potato kugel is like the best potato kugel you'll ever eat in mm. your life. I will stand by that <laughs> statement forever. No ego and involved like, in that statement whatsoever. Zero, zero, because I didn't develop it. Right. I just shared it. That's so right. it's like, it's not even mine. I just, I know food and I know it's good. Um, and that's like the food that I grew up eating. So it's mm. just like really good Heimish food. Um, so my mom was always cooking and I was always watching her. I feel like she was my cooking show. Mm. Like I was always watching her. I don't, I don't remember it being like a hands-on experience. Like I don't remember it. I guess like she was really busy. So I don't think it was like, come, let's make cookies. You know, like it wasn't like that, but I learned so many things just watching her. And I mean, so that's really like my childhood growing up in the kitchen. I was just watching Mm -hmm. and learning through watching. And sometimes I would do certain things like, let's say like, I don't know, peel potatoes or cut stuff up, but it was always like on the other side. Like I guess I couldn't get in her zone. Her mm-hmm. zone was like the danger zone, the busy zone, right. knives, chopping. Like you don't want to be in that. Um, so it wasn't really a lot of hands-on cooking when I was growing up, but I did have a lot of uh, information that I took in just by watching my mom and I've always loved it. Hmm. Like always loved it. So there's that. I find that very validating. Um, Sorry. No, I was just wondering like, you know, as a 12th grade girl, were you like, mom, I want to get in there. Like, give me a counter space. I want to make something or, or not so much. Probably. Yeah, probably. By that point, it wasn't like there was no supervision required. So I mean, probably I'm sure that I made things. I, I, I honestly, I probably made some desserts or something mm-hmm. or made some, I, I don't even know. I, I know that if I wanted to like make something for Yantif or whatever, I feel like, and it's funny because I think I do the same thing to my kids now. Like, okay, your turn and I leave because Mm -hmm. I don't have, like, I I can't watch it happen and I don't want to step on their toes and I want to stifle their creativity. So I'm like, here you go. And I step out. (laughs) Do your thing. My son puts cinnamon in eggs. So I need to leave. Oh, my. (laughs) I'm saying. I need to leave. Put your cinnamon in your eggs. Don't burn down my house. Bye. Good luck. Um, so I have to like step out. So I feel like that's the kind of thing that happened also once I was old enough to be able to do it by myself. So I definitely did get into the kitchen. Um, there, my, my mom used to make like the same way we didn't have hot dogs. We used to have these like complicated, like layer cakes, Mm. like these like Hungarian, these like really complicated. I was scared to cut when they were ready. (laughs) I I wasn't allowed to cut them because they had to be cut into perfect like diamonds mm. um so like we also never had chocolate chip cookies mm. do you know what i mean yes, yes. <laughs> i mean i like no intellectually but i cannot imagine no chocolate chip cookies and hot dogs <laughs> Although I have to tell you, I made chocolate chip cookies for my kids once, like after school, and I was like, "Mom of the year, look, you got yes. fresh." Chocolate. And they were like, "We don't, we don't like chocolate yeah. chip cookies. Oh, we don't, so we don't like them." No. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like because now my kids are so picky and people ask me all the time, oh, your kids must love. No, they don't. Uh, It's the shoemaker's kids are barefoot. And your kids Uh, eat hot dogs for sure, right? My kids eat hot dogs. Yes, ma'am. They eat bread. (laughs) They eat like if my son doesn't like what's for dinner, which is like literally nine times out of ten, he makes himself a matzo pizza. (laughs) This is serious. Mm. He makes himself 
matzo pizza, yeah. except it's not kosher for Pesach because there's crushed tortilla chips on top. That's like Ew. the special touch. Um, so <laughs> it's different from Pesach. Like he had matzo pizza in the sukkah. I don't think many people had that. <laughs> That's so cute. You know, you were talking and- about... <laughs> Yeah, no, wait, just touching on dessert for one second because you were talking about the chocolate chip cookies. I, I asked my kids sometimes, like, what do you want me to make for dessert? I could have, like, what about, like, a tiramisu layered cake? Like, that's my favorite dessert probably. And they're like, can you make lemon jello from a box? <laughs> I kid you not. And it hurts my neshama. Right, that's insulting. <laughs> but it's, but that's what they want. So, like, okay, I'll make you lemon jello and I'll make myself the cool thing that I want. <laughs> that's so cute. All good. You know, like Kids in the Kitchen. I think there's a Susie Fishbein cookbook called Kids in the Kitchen. Yes. So that, I I think, can be another episode topic. But I know for sure from friends who are like, no, my kids cannot touch my kitchen. They cannot cook. (laughs) And I have one friend who's like, kid is like begging her to like go and bake. And she's like, you're not allowed. I cannot deal with the mess. So you have the strategy where you walk away. But like, who's cleaning up? Because some people don't want their kids in there at all because they cannot handle it. Right. It's very stressful. Um, one way to handle it. And like, the thing is that sometimes I just don't have time for it because cooking is my job. Mm. I find it just like, I enjoy cooking obviously. And I like it. So even though it's my job, I like to do it when I'm alone. I just like, you'll find me at my counter most of the time. I almost recorded this at my counter. I was like, I probably want to sit. I'm always standing at my counter, but, um, so I'm always cleaning my kitchen. I don't really like whatever, but to then bake with my kids, it just feels like another task. I'm just being honest. Right, like yeah. if that makes me like the worst mom ever, that's mm-hmm. okay. I think it um, makes you pretty normal, mm-hmm. you know, and also okay. this could be validating for a lot of other women who are also like, I also, want, I will you know. <laughs> take it. No, it's just so stressful for me. I don't know. But, um, I, I also know the proper way to do things and kids right. don't do things the proper way right. to do things. So it's just like, <sighs> okay. But one way to kind of overcome this obstacle is if you have things pre-measured, and I actually tell people to do this all the time, even when they're mm. cooking themselves, I tell this to people who are new to cooking. Um, if you see on a cooking show, everyone has these things right. all laid out. Yeah. Um, if you do that when you're baking or when you're cooking or when you're making a new recipe, or especially at times that it's stressful, like let's say an Arab Yantif when you're cooking a lot, you know, and you have a lot of things going on, if you pre-measure your things, um, then if, you know, you get an unexpected phone call or you need to help someone um, you know, with a tissue or something, or somebody's at your door, uh, you don't, you don't mess up what you had going on. You don't forget if you put the sugar in, because if the sugar is missing, it's in. And if it's there, then you didn't do it yet. So I think that also when you're baking with kids, if you have everything laid out, you could be like, okay, you do that one, you do that one. And each kid gets a turn to kind of add the thing that's already pre-measured. So it's less messy. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit easier to navigate. And maybe that's like a good intro into doing that. I love that. That's a great tip. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great tip. Great. Well, I'm glad I'm here for you. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you touched on the fact that you do this for a job. So tell us just, you know, for those of us who are not so familiar, what you're doing now professionally and, um, you know, how your career developed. So what I do is actually multifaceted. So it's hard to explain in one term. And I came up with the term food entertainment. That's what I do. I do food entertainment. Thank you. Um, Because some people call themselves influencers. I don't like that term for just, it just doesn't have the right ring to me. I don't like, like, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to share. I'm not trying to influence. If my sharing is inspirational, then I influenced you. That's fantastic. But I'm not looking to brainwash people. So I just don't like the way that influencer sounds, even though maybe I'm looking too much into it. But um, what I do is food entertainment. And that just means that I develop recipes. So I have a platform on Instagram and on Facebook uh, where I share my ideas. I share my recipes. I also have a cooking show on kosher.com. Um, it's called Easy Does It. And it's just easy recipes that are super approachable that I feel like I get a lot of feedback that kids have made my things to contribute to Yanzi for Shabbos mm. for just a weeknight dinner. So that's just great. Um, so that's one of the things that I do. And then I also do food demos and chopped competitions and things like that where I actually come down to your neighborhood or your party or bas mitzvah or something like that and do a live food entertainment segment, whatever it is, like challah bakes and things like that. So, so it's like all of that together is food entertainment. Oh, that's so nice. I love that. Yeah. And you're great on camera. I've seen your cooking show. Like it's very professional on kosher.com. Thank you. Try. You know, sometimes I watch the first one we ever shot. Um, Kosher.com is fairly new and my 
uh, my shoot day was the first one ever for kosher.com. Oh, wow. I was the guinea pig. Yeah. <laughs> and I will never forget that day. There are so many things that happened that mm. day that were like not ideal. But when I watched those videos, I cringe and oh, I'm like, who's God. that little girl? Ah! That's, that's kind of how it is when we, when we would go back and listen yes. to our, like our first episodes, like when we first, first started the podcast, yeah. we were recording it like with our n- toddlers, like napping upstairs. We're like, quick, quick, let's like during yeah. COVID, you know, and like it was like cobbled <laughs> together, like a Franken episode. Like <laughs> That's what you used to call it, a Frankenstein <laughs> episode. Exactly. I love that. That's yeah. so great. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, we all have rough beginnings. I feel right. like for a lot of people who are afraid to like dive into cooking or something, they're worried about a rough beginning. They're worried about not being great at something right away. And some things just have to not be great. And then you get great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you avoid, if you avoid the first time, right. you'll never be great. It's just not going to happen. You don't you're not born learning how to do everything. Right. It's just not how it works. Well, that's great to hear from you. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. excellent advice. <laughs> <laughs> Except for me, I was, but no. <laughs> you were bo- no, you were clearly born great and perfect and like whatever. <laughs> totally. At lemon jello, I can't be beat. Well, I don't know. Maybe cooking is a talent. Like I think of that line from Ratatouille, you know, like everyone can cook. Have you seen Ratatouille, the Disney movie? Yeah, sure. The, the, you know, I don't know. Is it a talent? Is it something learned? Is it both? <laughs> um, I... I'm going to mess it up, but there's there's like a quote that I heard recently on Instagram, actually, ironically, which I guess takes out some of the credibility. But no, I got some really, really great lines from Instagram <laughs> that I take with me. Um, something along the lines of um, the only difference between someone who's like an artist and someone who's aspiring to be is the willingness to do it. Mm. Because there's if you're willing to learn how to do something and you're willing to try to do something, you will get better at that thing. There is no question. You will absolutely get better at it. Uh, is is it something that some people are naturally better at? Sure. Some people are naturally better at art or some people are naturally better at, um, I don't know, building or I don't know. I can't even think of something right now or like decorating, but these are all things that we can learn to do. And if you put in the time and the effort, there's nothing that's above someone's capability especially not cooking. Cooking is something that, you know, we all do. I feel like food connects us. Food fuels us, not just, you know, literal fuel for your body so that you can continue to do the things that you do, but it like builds memories. A lot of our memories are revolved around food. Sometimes you'll smell something, you'll pass by a bakery or something and you'll suddenly remember your grandma. Like Mm -hmm. that's powerful. So when we cook and we prepare these foods for our families, we're building those memories. We're building those scent memories, Mm -hmm. you know, that will take our kids back to that time, that thing, you know, like there are certain things that we make only for holidays that when your kids see it, they're like, oh, yes, mm-hmm. you know, they get so excited. That's something that we do through food. That's how we express our love. That's how we, I don't know, I love that. that's how we celebrate things. So I think it's just such an important thing to learn because it's such a great tool for expressing your love and your care for people. Mm. I love that. And that actually kind of perfectly segs into mm. what we want to talk about next, which is from people, from women who dislike cooking. Mm. You know, it's because we have, it has all that great potential, but sometimes it's just not enjoyable for women. So do you have, you know, any observations and tips and advice? Yeah, I do. Um, (laughs) People, people who hate it, uh, which is fine, by the way, you can hate it. Like, that's okay. You can hate it. You don't have to love it. Um, The difference between hating cooking and hating, like, let's say, I don't know, music is that you could just not listen to music, but Mm -hmm. everyone's got to eat. You know, we've always got to eat. So what I think a lot of people have an issue with the cooking is that they're overthinking it or they're overcomplicating it. And there is literally zero correlation between the time it takes to cook something and how delicious it is. Hmm. So slaving over a hot stove all day congratulations it doesn't mean that that's the only way to get your family a delicious meal it just doesn't go that way um if you find it to be very tedious and you just don't have enough time and you don't enjoy it because if you have no time but you enjoy it then you make the time for it it's called priorities but Mm -hmm. if you don't enjoy it you will not make time for it um so you can actually feel free to take shortcuts from the store right now we're so blessed to have like well-stocked kosher supermarkets with pre-sliced and diced produce, you know, pre-checked everything, butternut squash. You don't have to struggle with your knife. You can just buy it cut up. It's totally fine. It doesn't make you less of a anything if you bought it. Um, I always say that if it came out of your oven, you made it. Mm-hmm. So uh, frozen cookie dough, cool. Mm-hmm. Put it in your oven. Like who cares? It's not about the effort or the amount of time that you put into something. If you don't like it, just find the easiest way for yourself to do it. 
And then you may find that when you bring something that you've made, and even if that means store-bought cookie dough in the oven and then whatever, even if that means already baked cookies that you just put on mm -hmm. a plate, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it doesn't really even matter, but when you, I find that there's like a very, very specific satisfaction that comes from serving people like a meal. And I don't mean serving as in like you have to serve the meal, but your whole family can help you. So when you sit down to a meal that you prepared or that you put thought into, there's a certain satisfaction of everyone sitting around that table and enjoying it. So once that hits and you see the appreciation that comes from it, it kind of makes you want to do it again. I feel like it, it becomes valuable. Does that make sense? Sure, absolutely. So I think that, you know, stopping to overthink it, looking for recipes that are easy. There are so many recipes in cookbooks. Oh goodness. I read them and no hate because I understand that there are techniques that are required to build flavors. I get it. I really, really get it. But there are like so many steps that be, could be cut out from mm, so many recipes. It's so interesting to hear that. You, it's good to oh know. goodness. There's a friend of mine made this really, really delicious salmon. We went to her for a Shabbos lunch and she made a really, really good salmon. And she mentioned what cookbook it came from. And she mentioned like that she makes it so rarely. It is everyone's favorite, but she makes it so rarely because it has like 20,000 steps. I was like, I'm so curious to see if I can mm -hmm. cut these out and make this easier for you. So I went home and I had that cookbook and I read the recipe and I was like, gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> you have to like first season the salmon, then sear the salmon, then um, food process like this ingredient and then that ingredient and then combine the ingredients and then you have to cook the sauce and then combine it with the crumbs and the, mm. like it's just so many things and like you know what a you don't have to sear the salmon because it's cooking in the oven you don't have to do that is it going to be better maybe like that mm. much better it's not a really big deal you can skip that you can food process those things together mm -hmm. and make your food process your duty only one time you can you know like you can combine things i think that really you just have to know the rules before you can break them uh -huh. and then yeah. you can break them and combine them and just shorten things for you like when i'm baking here's one that everybody can probably utilize okay when i'm baking right um if the recipe calls for you know very often calls for two bowls, one for wet, one for dry, then you combine, da, 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 right? So what I do is I combine the wet ingredients. And for baking terms, sugar is considered a wet ingredient because chemically behaves wet. So just saying. Mm. Um, I combine the wet ingredients and then I'll add the flour on top and the baking powder on top of the flour. And then as I whisk it, kind of whisk those together real quick. One bowl, not multiple. Like you don't need to do that. You don't need to get your entire kitchen dirty and just laid out with every bowl that you have and possess. You don't have to do that. And then you won't, maybe you won't hate baking, you know? See, right. you mentioned like the sugar is it, it, the property, chemical property of it. It functions as a liquid. Yeah. So cooking is such a science, but also such an art. And right. I mean, I, I, th I find that very fascinating. Like I am not a science person and I never even knew that cooking was a science until like I got married and tried to cook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like some people are just like not artistic and not scientific. So like that's, that's one of the reasons why it could be hard. It just like doesn't fit, but you're saying everyone needs right. to eat. So you got to work it out, you know, <laughs> you have to work it out. You know, you'll learn. I remember the first time I, I don't, one time I was making rice, it was in the beginning of like my cooking career. And that by that, I mean, like in the beginning of my marriage, um, I was making <laughs> rice and we had friends coming over and they were really coming over sooner than I could get the rice done. And I like raised the heat on the rice to evaporate the water more quickly. And then I realized that what that does is makes crunchy rice. Like, <laughs> no. So then you learn from that. And then the following time you'll know that like rice really, you can't rush it. Right. rice needs its time and then you know i mean maybe you'll make that mistake twice or three times but it's fine eventually learn that but if you don't give yourself an opportunity to try to learn it then it's just never going to happen you just like hands up like oh i don't make good food mm -hmm. i don't know how to cook it's really easy to say but like that doesn't mean that you don't know how to cook right and i love that the idea of like if you know the rules, then you know where to do the shortcuts. But the it's the catch-22 of if you're too scared to do it because you always feel like a failure or, or whatever, you know, or it triggers all the anxiety, um, then it's like right. a catch-22. If you don't try it, then you're never going to learn the rules. And maybe right. don't try it on your guests. You know what I mean? Like yeah. try it at a different shop where you're not entertaining. But I always <laughs> make new stuff when I have guests. I, that was, I was Why? just thinking Why? that. Why? Because I'm sick of my stuff and, oh, I'm going to try something better. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, I just experimented on you. And I'm sorry this really flopped. I mean, I'm, it's just right. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, the greatest, the greatest kind of recipe for success not to be corny is to actually follow the recipe that you're yeah. following. Yeah. Still, um, read it from still... beginning to end. No, not, but sometimes. still, come on. 
it happens to the best of us. But if you're if you're creating a new recipe, then there's a lot more margin yes. for error. But if you're following a recipe, actually follow it. There, you know, as somebody who develops recipes, I want people to make it their own. I always encourage people to make it their own. But the first time you make a recipe, make it the way it's written. There's usually a reason for the madness. There's usually a reason that they ask you to do things a certain way. And then if you find that like it was just blah or that you would prefer it really with more pepper or without the eggplant, you know, then then do that next time. But mm -hmm. the first time you do it, follow the recipe, follow the script of what was written for you, because there is probably a reason. Mm -hmm. And the advice that I give everybody, honestly, is to read the recipe from beginning to end so that you actually, you know, don't discover midway through the recipe that you're out of it mm -hmm. at a good time. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that's why also it really helps to lay out all the ingredients and you don't have any surprises. You know that you have everything. It's a lot more convenient to find out that you're out of eggs when you're laying out the ingredients than when you're already mixing them in the bowl and your oven's already preheated. It's just so stressful. And that kind of failure is something that will make you not want to get back into the kitchen next time. It's just yes. set yourself up for success instead of for failure. I love that. Great tips. Okay, so let's talk, Essie, about those of us who actually don't mind cooking, but we're struggling uh -huh. with that grind of meal prep. You know, whether it's, yeah. it's daily dinners or weekly shabasam. You know, how can we add some life and motivation into this routine? Yeah, so this is where I feel like a hypocrite <laughs> because, I mean, everybody goes through that. That's just how it goes. But I find that um, those who have access to outside inspiration and there are just so many ways of, like, everyone really has access to outside inspiration. Some of us have it through um, Instagram or Facebook or, um, like, Pinterest Right. Cooking shows um, also. Of, right. Like, right. I was going to say kosher.com yeah. or, or TV shows, just food network or things like that. Or even um, and if you don't have access to those things or if you don't have access to the Internet, you have access to the magazines um, or to cookbooks. And you just kind of flip through and just find something new that you like. Another really like great um, suggestion for, let's say, weeknight dinners or things like that is to ask your family to make lists of foods that they like. And then to pull from there. So it doesn't necessarily like your kids can write. My kids do pizza, 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 pizza. Mm. Okay, thank you so much. You know, but like um, then I make sometimes like pizza, like rugelup with like dough, I'll, like roll it up, you know, and make these like little pizza pockets or I'll make, um, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But like you can you can take that and kind of push it a different way. Or sometimes maybe if you go out to eat and you have this really delicious dish. You won't know the recipe, but you can take those flavors and kind of build on that. And maybe you'll make something completely new, just inspired by what you had at the recipe, um, but at the restaurant, sorry, by your own recipe, your own little rendition of something just to keep things fresh and alive. Um, I just um, I just got a Prep and Rally, Dina Klein's new cookbook, and it has like, I'm like waiting for Shabbos to flip through mm -hmm. that so I can like really like go and see and get inspired because I feel like after Yantif especially, yeah. um, just like my inspiration plummeted. I don't know what to make for dinner. We've been like going on leftovers because mm. every other day is like a Shabbos or a Yantif. So mm, we've yeah. been like in this whatever. Um, but, you know, every time like I'm kind of in the mood for I don't know what, like I'll go on Instagram or on kosher.com and I'll type in like delicata squash because that's what's looking at me in my, you know, in my kitchen right now. I have two of them. I don't know what to do with. What is and that? I'll find something. <laughs> what? Yeah, what kind of squash it is, is this? I've never heard so of this before. good. You're going to Google it today. Okay. It is so good. Delicata squash. It, um, it's like long, it looks like an acorn squash in the shape, like the ridges that it has, but it's kind of longer. Hmm. Um, and it is like pale yellow and it has like little green lines on it and it is probably my favorite and it is in season right now. Mm. So if you see it, grab it, make it. Um, except I don't know how you're going to have to Google for inspiration. <laughs> I mean, I know how, I know how I do it. Just like chop it and roast it. But like, I want to make something a little more exciting. But I feel like if you look around your kitchen, you find something that's sitting around that you don't want to make the way that you've been typically making it, then, you know, do a quick food search. Find mm -hmm. some, like, I, I actually, it's so funny because when I search, let's say Google, right? I don't search Google for it. I Google image search. And I look for something that makes me like, oh, and like, that's, that's why the photos are so important. That's like, we eat with our eyes first. So when you like Google image search and you look through like the images of like, even if it's literally like 
I don't know, you want to make lemon chicken and you don't really know what to do or how to serve it or how to present it or something. You just type in lemon chicken in Google images and you're like, oh, and all of a sudden you're drooling. All of a sudden you're hungry. <laughs> That's smart. That's smart. Um, something that Rifki and I talked about earlier in this episode is like menu planning. Um, some people like have their whole weekday menu plans, you know, for the month. Some people are like, okay, it's 1 PM. I have to figure out what I'm making for dinner. Do you have any like guidance or advice about people's different personalities? Like, should they just own it? Like this is who they are. Is there a more effective way if we, if we should be I mean, for? I've tried really hard to menu plan. Um, and like you said, there are people who are like, oh, it's 1 PM. I'm kind of like, oh, it's 4 PM. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that is my life. I'm like, oh, it's 4 PM. People want to eat again yeah. and they're going to be home in a few minutes. <laughs> um, Me too. So I kind of, <laughs> I, hence, easy does it which is just a bunch of easy recipes like literally i think the most popular recipe is called fake speedy and it is um like a stovetop cheesy pasta that takes place in one pot in 20 minutes like how do you think that was born Hmm. (laughs) out of necessity Mm -hmm. um but for menu planning i think that it's a really great idea to just jot down foods that you like in different categories you can jot down like an entire list of sides entire list of um like starchy sides entire list of like veggie sides like roasted peppers or whatever it is and entire list of proteins and mix and match and pull from there i think that it's really instrumental i personally i know myself if i menu plan ahead of time i will not be in the mood to eat that food that day Hmm. i don't know why i won't want it i will not want it sometimes you have unexpected leftovers from the day before sometimes you have unexpected like you know last night didn't work out so we got pizza now what? Now your whole week is shifted. So I, for me, I've accepted that meal planning once like a week or once a month really just doesn't work for me. But if you have a list of foods that you like, and you can literally write them down and hang them up somewhere in your kitchen, somewhere inside one of your cabinets or whatever, your kids can help you create this list so that they're more willing to eat the foods that are on it because they took part in it. Um, you know, so then you can, you know, you can know, the more kid-friendly options, whatever it is. Sometimes they'll surprise you. Sometimes they'll say things that you never even knew that they wanted to eat, but they're on there. Um, and then you can pull from their last minute. So mm. if you do like one big grocery shopping a week, you can stock your fridge or your freezer with some of these things so that you can be ready for these last-minute meals that catch you off guard. Like I have some of them up my sleeve. You know, like let's say schnitzel and rice is probably like on everyone's list of like an easy quick dinner because it just mm. cooks so quickly. Right, yeah. but you need to have chicken cutlets, but not available, frozen. but not frozen. But wait, help! You can have them frozen. <laughs> help! Here. I got you. <laughs> if you freeze them already sliced with parchment paper in between, mm-hmm. in a zip top freezer bag, you got it. These are the conditions that you must meet. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> if you submerge that bag sealed in some cold water they'll defrost so quickly and they won't stick to one another Mm. because there's parchment paper in between. So you can actually have that done fairly quickly. Mm. Bonus points. If you have time before you freeze them to actually bread them and then follow the same procedure Mm. that that's ready in no time. I actually, sometimes the supermarket here, I live in Florida now. So the supermarket here is not as accommodating obviously as a supermarket in brooklyn new york um but they in in brooklyn they always had breaded chicken cutlets already like you can buy them breaded and whenever they went on sale they already have the parchment in between they're already thinly sliced already breaded and whenever they were on sale i would buy like six packages and just stick them in my freezer and those were the meals that i relied on or it was like this fake ziti kind of thing or you know just like salmon cooks really really quickly you can even pick it up on the way home from work and pop it in the oven well yeah it's 11 30 and i have my frozen chicken cutlets defrosting on my counter as we speak gold (laughs) star for you gold star (laughs) that's really really i should start thinking about lunch at 11 30 right okay yeah (laughs) i'm gonna start thinking about lunch (laughs) or you know what you know, I honestly, there's so much pressure. I think that's really what it is. I think everyone is under pressure. I think also because of this, like this age of Instagram where everything's on display and you see everyone's like, um, highlight reel. Is that what they call it? Everyone's mm-hmm. highlight reel. Everyone's like exactly. top hits of what they're doing. Get out of here. That is not reality. Make eggs. It's fine. It's protein. Make eggs. 
make the hot dog. No one cares. Please feed your family the food that they like without pressuring yourself so that you don't hate it. No yeah. one wants you to hate it. That's not, Preach, you don't get mitzvah points. <laughs> Nothing and nothing happens better for your family if you hate what you're doing to provide for them. Yes. Stop it. <laughs> That's right. Just like honestly, you are such an influencer, Esty. <laughs> buy the French fries. You know, there's a thing. I think I saw on the internet. It said like, I would never feed my kids frozen, um, frozen chicken nuggets. I always heat them up first. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Get them the chicken nuggets, please. Wait, if they're going to eat it, serve it to them. You know, if they're going to eat it, give it to them. (laughs) Like within reason. I even think that it's reasonable if you have a really busy day or not, or you just aren't in the mood. Like, you know, you determine what that means for you. There's no like scale, but serve your kids cereal. Like, I don't care. Mm. Like, not Fruit Loops, be responsible. Like, just Cheerios. (laughs) Like, you know, but like. (laughs) That's okay sometimes. It's all about balance. Sometimes you have a really nice thought out meal and sometimes you fall back on things like that that are easy. Scrambled eggs and a bagel. That is totally fine. And sometimes you, know? you have a really nice thought out meal and then they still prefer right. cereal and anyways. they don't want to eat it. Yeah. And they're like, no, Matzo I'm going to go pizza. get some honey. Yeah. I'm going to get some honeycomb cereal. I'm like, all right, Gesundheit. Thanks. Thanks. Matzo <laughs> pizza in my house. Yeah. hundred percent. I go through I'm, I'm still all thinking about the, the tortilla chips on top of the matzo pizza. That is innovative. <laughs> well, before it goes in the oven. But wait. But, like so it gets crunchy it's, it's ketchup I, I don't know why i have sauce i i didn't i'm not the recipe developer i'm just giving over your so. kid is <laughs> yes <laughs> mr Matsu pizza there's ketchup then shredded cheese then tortilla chips crushed slightly and then and then put into the oven and then bake yes so and I have learned bake. a word from Chopped. My husband and I used to go through a stage of just watching Chopped on the Food Network. It was like mm-hmm. our vice. And whichever Italian judge, chef, I forgot which one her name is, and she would say, wow, that was inspired. So I'm going to say to your son, that was an inspired dish. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Sometimes I'll notice that I'm bit, or like sometimes it happens on a Monday Shabbos where the kids are like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, I've been feeding you for the past 25 hours straight. Like, bye. I'm not interested anymore. Um, he'll make it for his siblings too. Like, it's, you know, they order it from him. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, I got you. No problem. I will make you my tortilla chip matzo pizza special. (laughs) And then you get the crunch on the bottom from the matzo, the crunch on top. I get it. It's like a lot of texture. There's a lot going on there. I get it. It's like bougie matzo pizza. Exactly. (laughs) So like as far like the shishi matzo pizza, that's top of our recipe list that we love. What are some of your... (laughs) What are some of your other favorite recipes? Um, lemon jello, high on the list. But um, let's talk about your favorite recipes. And I would love to hear about your creative process. It's like funny. I'm a creative person, not when it comes to food. I will follow the recipe. I will set the timer when so I'm cooking pasta. Nah, I'm like, I like, right. I, I, I so do my, I. Okay, thank you. Someone made fun of me for it. Once. They're like, you need a timer for pasta. I'm like, well, I'm not throwing it at the wall. I just want to know when it's done. I don't want to think about it. The You need a timer for pasta. What is that? It's the oh, professionals all use timers. Now right I feel like this is years of validation. Thank you. The, um, You're so welcome. But I don't create recipes. So I would love to hear, I just like following the recipes. I would love to hear about your creative process and also some of your favorite recipes. Okay. Um, well, the favorite recipes, I, there's a, there are a lot of them. It's, it's like hard to narrow it down. I think that my favorite recipes come down to like, let's say things from my childhood, like my potato kugel. It is the ultimate potato kugel. It is that good. It is a hug to your stomach. It is amazing. It is like, you want to show someone you love them. Like if you want, if you want cure of work, like make potato kugel. Like I can't explain it. Like you want a shit like make a potato kugel. <laughs> I can't promise you, but like there's, there's a good chance. Um, so there's that. Um, there is a chicken and rice recipe that I make that my family loves every single time I make it that I have to hold myself back from making it too often. Cause I don't want them to tire of it. Right. Um, it call it's, it bakes together in one pan in the oven, mm. but you have to, I'm sorry. I know it's not what you wanted to hear, but you have to pre cook the rice halfway first in mm. like on stove top. Right, otherwise it gets it's crunchy. Yeah. So bad. Is that recipe on it, kosher.com? Like, can we find it? I think so. Okay. It should be there. It is for sure on cookingwithtantrums.com. Cause I'm going like, to find it. We're going to link it on the show notes because that's really yeah. useful. One day I started this blog for this other stuff and I was like, yeah, I'm going to post it all the time. I think there's like five recipes on there. They're good. 
they're just solid. They're good recipes, but that's it. Then I stopped doing that. Mm. So like you can always find them there, but like not adding more things to it. I just have a lot of other things going on, but the chicken and rice is for sure on there and it is incredible. Um, do not be afraid of the ingredients in the recipe. Just make it. Mm -hmm. Don't question me. Mm -hmm. It calls for mayo. It calls for mayo. It grosses people out, but it's amazing. And if you think about it, mayo is just eggs and oil. So calm down. It's not so serious. Um, and I don't know. I really fake CD is a really good one. I have a great recipe coming out soon on kosher.com. That is like the flacious counterpart of fake CD. It is called, it's like the sneak peek. And I tell you, yeah. Mm, Oh my gosh, please. It's called spaghetti and cheat balls. Um, (laughs) My, my son came up with the title and the matzo pizza um, son. No, no, my, that's the matzo pizza is my second. And this is my first, um, he's very clever and very witty and very quick with words and fake CD was called fake CD because it's not baked. So it's faked. And this is called spaghetti and cheat balls because it's the Felicia counterpart. So it's basically it's spaghetti and meatballs go into the oven raw and they come out cooked perfectly. And it is like so great for a weeknight dinner, like amazing. So I'm very, very excited about that recipe to come out. So things like this that really just solve a problem of like, I need something quick. Those are kind of my favorite recipes too. Um, and the creative process actually for me comes from multiple places. It comes from sometimes solving a problem like spaghetti and cheapos was solving this problem of how do I, you know, make this faster? How do I make this more weeknight friendly on a busy night that I have? Cause I don't have time to boil the spaghetti separately. And then sometimes it's time and sometimes it's hands on time. Mm-hmm. So like, it depends. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Like sometimes you need dinner in 20 minutes and sometimes you can have dinner in an hour, but you, you need to fold laundry right now. So you don't have the saute time. You, you need to like put it in the oven and then do something else. So there, there are different kinds of time constraints. And I feel like that really fuels the need for certain recipes. So now I actually have to come up with new concepts for new videos and I'm like, what problems can we solve? Oh, so I, I think like that's, approach. that's the creative process. Mm-hmm. That's I'm like trying to make it easier to get into the kitchen or to stay into the kitchen or just not hate it maybe. Um, and sometimes it's just things that I have lying around and then I just threw it together and it was magic and I blew myself away. Mm-hmm. That happens sometimes. I think we all do that. Um, except I write it down quickly. <laughs> I know that I need to know how to do that again. Um, that That's pretty much the creative process. I measure and taste and try again and tweak and find what's missing. And, um, you know, for, for people who cook with their eyes or like, let's say sometimes we have people in our lives who cook with their eyes, right? They eyeball everything. And I keep doing this motion. It's like, no one can see me, but I'm like pouring salt. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing mm-hmm. in my head. <laughs> with a little measuring spoon. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah. I'm doing it from the salt shaker <gasps> because impressive. why? Because, because that's the way that my mom has always cooked. She always eyeballed everything. And let's say for a potato kugel, right? Um, which we've covered how delicious it is. Um, <laughs> It, it was up to me to get the recipe from her. And she was like, I don't know. I just a little bit. And I'm like, what does that mean? Right. How much is a little bit? I have no concept of a little bit. A little bit of what? Right. You know? Because um, like a little bit could be one cup. But no, that's too much salt. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> I had no concept in the beginning. So what I did and what other people can do and they're trying to either write down their own recipe to share with someone or to get a recipe from someone who is incapable of measuring and writing down, I would lay a sheet of parchment paper over the bowl that my mom would be mixing something into. And she would then pour the salt because you can eyeball. And now I understand that because now I do that. You can eyeball how much salt you would need for that space or that size or whatever it is. And then I would like you know, pick mm. up the sides of the parchment, funnel it into a measuring cup or spoon and measure it out. Mm. That's and genius. it took like a while of doing this and then writing it down and then figuring out the measurements, trying it again with those measurements, tweaking it until I was able to do it, but then I got it. Cool. So it's definitely worth, worth the effort if you have a recipe that like, you're trying to get from someone who can't measure it. Like this potato kugel, which is phenomenal apparently. So no, but now, I, but now I did it. Right. So now but I'm saying like it. <laughs> it, the, the phenomenality of the potato kugel like is demonstrated by the links that to which you were willing to go to find the, the measurements. That's what I'm saying. 
in my mind. 100%. It, it reminds 100%. me of almost like an apprentice with a master. Like your mother was this like master, but she doesn't yeah. like write it down. Like she doesn't record, you know, her, her ways right. and you have to sit there and like follow, yeah. you know, follow her, her artistry, if you will. That's very interesting. I love it. A hundred percent. And I think that that's like a lot of people, a lot of like these old school cooks cook that way. Right. You know, they, they like feel the ingredients. They use like a spoon. A spoon is not a spoon. A spoon is like a, like a, from, from your utensil drawer spoon, like a soup spoon. That's not a spoon. That's not a measurement. Right. That's right. You right. know, there's someone who gave me a recipe for like a glass of water. I'm like, what size glass? Right. What does that mean? Yeah. I have a shot glass and I have like a 16 ounce glass. Right. Can you specify where that falls? But, um, if you, if you do it this way and you measure out each thing separately, then you have kind of at least something to build upon. Then you can write things down and then build from there. Very cool. Very, very cool. Okay, so we're going to wrap up this interview, although I would love to continue to pick your brain, but I definitely have gotten <laughs> a lot of tips for sure from this conversation. So you have this Facebook group called I Don't Cook, But I Give Out Recipes, and I've been following it. Rivki told me that you started it, and I had no clue. Um. Yes and no. I yeah. actually, it was started. Yes and no. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, but no. not exactly. <laughs> my, <laughs> right. My sister started it, um, a long time ago as a joke. Um, well, the name is hysterical. Was, right. Right. It was, it was started at a time where, um, Facebook groups were becoming very popular and people just had these like random Facebook groups with nothing. And at that time I was living in an apartment where I didn't like my kitchen, so I wasn't really using it. And, um, I was still giving out recipes because I always loved food. Mm. So I like, I remember I had something delicious in my sister's house and I shared and like called her and I was like, my friend wants the recipe for the cake you made. And she's like, you don't cook, but you give out recipes. Mm. And then started this group. Um, and we had no idea that it would turn into what it did turn into. But actually, How many followers? I lost count. Uh, 48,000 oh, something. Ish. Wow. Yeah. But who, who's counting? Um, wow. Wow. Do you have any favorite stories to share from your experience? You're, you're, you're the administrator of the group? I am, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, do I have any? I have a million stories to tell. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, I, think, I think one that I can remember just off the top of my head is that um, we were at a bris one time and someone came over to my husband and he goes, you understand, I have to thank you for the shalom bias that you just like brought oh, into my life. My husband's like, what and who and what? <laughs> and he was saying that his wife, um, they had just gotten married and his wife joined the group and no, whatever. She wasn't, she was, her food wasn't coming out as great as she had hoped for a little bit. And then she joined the group and then her food was getting like better and better and better. And it's not, the great thing about the group is that it's not, it's not my recipes only. It's like everyone's recipes. And there were some really, really talented people in this group. So you know, the success of this woman's cooking is not thanks mm -hmm. to me. It's thanks to everyone that she was getting the recipes from. I don't know which recipe she was using. And he, he had asked her like, what happened? And she said like, Oh, I joined this group and whatever. And he's like, who's in the group? And she goes, you wouldn't know anybody. Like, why would you know? And he's like, just, I don't know, say a name or something. And then she said my name and he's like, I know her husband. And it was just like this like small world thing. So he's, he's on recently after that and then thanked him for it. he was like you understand it changed everything so much back. and like I told this story to someone who rolled their eyes and was like seriously that's what the shell and bias was waiting for but like no it's like I said before during this uh during this deep meaningful conversation <laughs> that food really unites us and it brings us together if someone cooks a meal and it didn't come out as great as they had hoped and then they serve that meal their mood at the table is altered. Mm. It's not because the food is that important. It's because you put effort into something. It didn't come out the way that you wanted it to, you know, versus you put effort into something came out exactly the way that you wanted to or better. You're in a better mood. You know, people are enjoying their food. You like enhance the Yantif or Shabbos or birthday or whatever it is, just Tuesday for yourself and for your family. And it really, really does bring this like air of like pleasant, 
mood. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. And you also said not like food is love to a certain extent. That doesn't mean that you have to be a, an amazing cook to show that love. But like, there's, right. I think there's something to be said about, oh, I found a new recipe. I am excited to prepare this meal for you. You know, it just, yeah. you know, and if you have more of a repertoire and you have you know, more of an education about cooking, that can really, you know, uh, just change your whole approach and how you're feeling to, f- you know, feeding your family. So I do definitely see how that could enhance yeah, everyone's absolutely. relationships. Food is like, if you think about every holiday that we celebrate and every special occasion, there is a food associated with all of it. Like even Yum Kipper. Mm. Come on. Crap-lo. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Fish, Everyone fish, there right awesome. away. Yeah. Whatever it is, like every every part of our, our existence has a special food associated with it. Like you think of something immediately when someone says breakfast. You think of something immediately when someone says birthday. Right. Your brain goes there. And, and it's just like so indicative of the way that we use food to celebrate our life. Hmm. Well, I'm inspired. Same. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yes. Well, thank you, Essie. I'm sure you are very busy and you need to get back into the kitchen, but thank you for the Are you the kidding? Time. I have to go defrost my chicken. <laughs> is it in parchment paper or not? That is the question. Um, it is definitely in a zip top freezer bag. Mm. I don't know if I did the parchment this time, but um, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to talk about food and recipes and planning with you guys. It's always fun to talk to you. Thanks, Esty. Oh, I love that. That was just such a great conversation. Um, I wanted to just like touch on a few points that we, we, that stuck out to me, I guess. Um, One of the things that Esty had said was, you know, when she, about having her kids in the kitchen, that she like knows how the right way to do things. Like she knows mm-hmm. the process. And so like, she just like leaves the kitchen and lets them do their thing, which I think is really good and in tune with like knowing yourself and like knowing if, if like you should be there or if you should not. And it was really reminding me back of when um, someone had asked me once, like, do I teach my kids music lessons? And I was like, no, right. because like, I, like I know the finest project and I have like all this training of like how to do things. And so it's hard. It's like hard to watch them explore it on their own like I, right. so I outsource that I outsource that so but I was like, like really wow Esty for still letting them in the kitchen because I could see someone like that who's a professional cook be like sorry this is my domain like this is where I work like or I know how to do this so well and and it's too hard for me so I'm not even gonna walk out I'm just gonna not let you do oh, it at all like yeah. I think that's like some amazing parenting that she was showing there. absolutely mm-hmm. um I also liked her like if you know the rules then you can break them yeah. you know like that it doesn't have to be like the scary specter of um you know, you have to follow the 27,000, you know, steps or, or not. You can, you know, once you have a little bit more experience with the kitchen, this is a catch 22. Um, like I said in the interview, because like you have to actually get experience in the kitchen mm-hmm. before you can know what to cut out. And I remember like there was this, I don't remember when it was a certain, maybe after like a decade of be like, you know, being married and making dinners on a regular basis when I had the realization that like I knew enough what I was doing that I didn't have to strictly follow the recipes. Like if I needed to make a soup, I knew how to make a soup without having to open up my cookbook, you know? And it was like, oh. See, I always wonder about, like I could do soup, but um, I always wonder about like certain baking where there is to make this certain type of cake. You need to, you know that it requires a certain amount of eggs, a certain Mm -hmm. amount of teaspoons of baking soda, baking powder, blah, blah, blah. Like that I think is so cool. And people like know this is the basic structure of this particular dish and then if you want to spice it up like I no matter how many times I've made banana chocolate chip muffins I still cannot tell you how many eggs are in the recipe how many cups of flour how many teaspoons of baking soda like I just don't you don't retain that that information yeah Yeah. and I think it's just so cool when people can do that yeah I agree I agree and also the no like when to substitute what to substitute how and it's like a whole chachma it's very Mm -hmm. it's very cool Mm mm-hmm um, I'm also definitely going to switch to using her potato cocoa recipe <laughs> now in the future after hearing Magical so much about potato it. Cocoa. I, I cannot wait to try it. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I, what I do like about Esty is I wasn't expecting this from her, but towards the end of the, at the end of the interview, she was just like, you know, like, I don't remember if this was in our post conversation with her or actually was recorded, but she just was really giving the message that like at the end of the day, like you need to make sure your kids have food in their body so that they survived and we could start a new day. Yeah. And like, it just takes a little bit of 
the stress. I know, again, this interview has not addressed health. We haven't just, we haven't addressed food coloring. We haven't, you know, addressed carbs or anything in terms of healthy food planning. But like sometimes we do all that and make just the right recipe, like you said, and they just aren't eating it. So like at the end of the day, do what you need to do. Um, And how she has these great recipes, like her spaghetti and meatballs, like go in the oven raw. Like she, I mean, she's thinking about people like us who, you know, are trying to just get food on the table and get everyone fed. And if you want to do more, Right. You are welcome to, and there's so many options available to you. This, for me, speaks to me. Yeah, it's right. It, it's a great like baseline. It's just it's very accessible, and I love yeah, that. Exactly, absolutely. Here is this episode's takeaway. Unless you order takeout nightly, meal prep is a part of our everyday lives. Try adding some mindfulness to your dinner preparations and see if that makes the experience a little more enjoyable. Focus on the colors, textures, and smells of the food you're preparing. Pay attention to the reaction of your family members when they enjoy the meal you prepared. And take a moment yourself to enjoy and savor the food that you so carefully prepared. Deciding what to make for dinner can be a challenge, but deciding to listen to an episode of DMC should be an obvious choice. We love knowing that out of all the amazing podcasts out there, you made the time to listen to Deep Meaningful Conversations. Thanks to all of our listeners who have taken the time to rate and review our podcast. Okay, listeners, we wanted to give you a little sneak peek about what is coming down the pipeline here at DMC. We have an upcoming episode, which we're really excited about, with my dear friend and colleague, Leslie Ginsburg-Klein, Dr. Leslie Ginsburg-Klein, who is such a fascinating and wonderful from woman. She has a PhD in the history of women's edu- Jewish education, particularly focusing on Sarah Schneer and the Beis Yaakov movement. She is a well-known speaker, writer, and the dean of Ma'alot, the academic dean of Ma'alot in Baltimore. And with all of her amazing knowledge and background on this topic, she has a lot to share about women's education, about women's leadership in the firm world, and we can't wait to bring that episode to you really helps us to get your feedback so if you'd like to get in touch with Rifki and I send an email to dmc at meaningfulminute.org you can also reach us on Facebook Instagram or Twitter finally we want to give a big thank you to the crew at Meaningful Minute for all the behind the scenes work they do for our podcast see you next episode